welcome to the Radical Self-Belief Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Fogdenmore, the Mojo Maker, and this is your ultimate destination for candid, essential, inspiring advice to get you in the driver's seat of life. Discover exclusive leadership insights, plus proven practical tools and techniques to activate true conscious decision-making for extraordinary results. Reignite your vision, harness effortless energy as we guide you to truly be the CEO of your life as well as your business for absolute sustainable success. Hi guys, welcome back to Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast. I hope by the time you're listening to this, episode 160, you've discovered the fact that it's the yellow tile on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere. So when we moved websites, they migrated the whole show over to completely different links. So thank goodness I'm not Oprah and I didn't throw a big hissy fit about it. So hopefully for those hundreds and thousands of subscribers we had on the old Mojo Maker podcast that you've trickled across, you found me, and that you're back being inspired and getting in the driver's seat of life. As always, I get super excited when I meet intelligent, authentic individuals across my path. And I was very lucky recently to be interviewed by my very guest today, Julia Newbot, who's managing editor of Money Magazine in Australia and an incredibly smart, dynamic, and I think probably very authentic thinker around what it means to sit in our financial acuity in today's landscape of a very uncertain world. So Julia, thank you so much for sparing some time in your busy schedule. My pleasure. Nice to catch up with you again. So it's really interesting. We were chatting before on our interview, and if you're just tuning in before, don't forget, drop a like and subscribe. You can see the video on YouTube, Vitality Coach TV, and all the notes from the episode with Julia today, and where you can find Julia on Twitter and Money Magazine on socials will be dropped in the comments below. But what I'll ask you to do as a listener is maybe put yourself in your first shoes as you listen to this and think, how could this apply to me? What one or two takeaways could I get from this discussion? And what on earth is Nikki going on about when she talks about financial legacy? So to set the scene a little bit, Julia, we were going through your hot seat questions for Money Magazine, and I'll share that great article that you posted. Thank you for having me in that hot seat. And we started chatting about wills and legacy and what happens if you don't have children or if you're not married or you're not part of a partnership and you're coming into your 40s and 50s and you suddenly have to start thinking about the facts and stats of what about a will and how much money do we need to retire on and what does legacy look like to you? So in its sort of initial definition, what does legacy mean to you as someone who is a a member of authority in the community? Well, there's a couple of things really. I think, you know, legacy, it, it really defines you. It talks about what you want to leave behind. And when you really come down to that, it's a very difficult conversation and it's very tough to figure that out. It's not something that you can suddenly come up with, but it really gives meaning to your life. And so I think for a couple of reasons, it's very hard to figure it out in a will because you've got to think about, well, what is it that I want to leave? You know, what is my meaning? You know, am I following the right path now? It brings a whole lot of questions in. And I think another thing is that even if you're, you know, not in your 40s or 50s, you're much younger, you've probably still got money that you don't think you have because if you've got a super fund and you've got insurance through that super fund, which typically people do, you've got a couple of hundred thousand dollars there. So there is a meaningful amount that everybody's leaving, but, you know, you've got to figure out what it is that makes you tick and what you want to leave behind. I mean, personally, I, I love the arts and I have had a lot of pleasure going to theatre and concerts and so on. 
So when I really thought about what I wanted as my legacy, I want to help someone perform in the arts that probably wouldn't get a chance before. And it's very complex to sort of set it up and you really think about, well, how would I pick that person, you know, after I'm dead? Who would choose that person? And, you know, I had to think about, well, which of my friends would be good to put in those positions? And, you know, that's the kind of fun part of it. I think, you know, the thought that we're going to die, that's not a fun part, but the part that you've got something positive to leave behind, that can be very, very pleasant. And I think that that has actually made me feel less afraid to die, knowing that there's something that I will leave behind. It's so interesting, the word mortality. I mean, I lost my father a couple of months ago. My mum's 81. So once you get to a phase where you start losing your parents, then you start thinking about what's next. And also when we talk about legacy, we're not just talking about when we pass on. I know a lot of CEOs and business founders and people, they're trying to bring their children through their, their leaders inside their corporation. Legacy is not just, I guess, your will and testimony. It's also if you've founded a business or you've got something going, what happens with all that vision and creativity and culture that you're trying to create? So there are many footprints that we leave as individuals. And I just wanted to say, I love the fact that you found who would be the executioner of your will, who would have the charter of putting up this fund and finding those people. You found that a fun thing that brought light to what would normally be a discussion and a thought process most people just don't want to go to. Yeah. And I I think that bringing up the discussion, that's really difficult. And you know, I think it was this time last year, I was talking to a lawyer and we were talking about wills and he said, now is a good time. You know, the families get together for Christmas, you know, when everyone's together, talk about, you know, your will and your parents' will and what they expect and what as siblings, maybe you each expect to do for your parents and and so on and what you expect for your children as well. So, you know, depending what stage of life you're at, it's a good time when the family's together to bring things out in the open. Because there's so many things with wills, you know, if you have more than one child and you don't want to split things evenly, or even if you do, you know, the kid's going to say, but so-and-so got something more when I was alive, when, you, you know, it's a very complex area and can cause so much family problems. And I think getting yourself right and your own grounded energy is the most important thing. But what, you know, why do you think that we have money in itself as a fear topic? So the other thing about this is a lot of people feel they don't have enough. So once you start looking at what, what do I need to retire with? So my legacy after work, let alone what do I need to pass over is that it's actually quite frightening for a lot of people because there was a thing going around Instagram that said, if you retire with a million dollars, it's, you know, you have to live off 33,000 a year, so to speak. But a lot of people can't even imagine retiring with a million dollars at the moment. And so there's a lot of a fear around not having enough right now, let alone. So it sparks a lot of triggers in people that what if I'm not wealthy enough? Like, how do we know our idea of wealth? And how can we be comfortable with what we have now in order to do the next step of planning? How do you help that discussion with your readers even? I I think, you know, all of it, you know, whether it's your will or whether you've got enough money, it's all to be discussed. And I think it's the way that it comes up in conversation. And so for myself, um, I wrote a book a couple of years ago with Kate McCallum, a financial advisor. It's called The Joy of Money. And basically, we looked at money as it's not a discrete topic. You don't talk about money as separate to the rest of your life. It's the enabler for what you want to do in life. So it's, you know, can you afford the holiday? Break it down. You know, what do I need to live each week? 
it's hard to talk about the future without looking at what you have now and is that enough? Is that satisfying? Is that giving you pleasure? Can you tone that down and swap, you know, work for life after, you know, when, when you get retirement age? It's, um, it, it's a difficult topic and I think there's so much going around about, you know, how much you do need in retirement and, you know, that million-dollar figure, yes, that's, you know, you're living off 33000 a year, but that's if you don't draw down on the capital. And at some point, maybe you will draw down on the capital. You know, that's what most people will do. But you, you've, you've got to look at it and, you know, figure out what would you do if that was all you had? If you had 33000 how would you make up the shortfall if you're going to have a shortfall in your life? And think about alternatives. You know, retirement now isn't just shut the door on your job and you walk away. You might do something part-time. You might do your same job part-time. You might change careers. It's, it's just a different way of life. And, and I think, you know, it's all combined. The money is part of it, obviously, but it's all about how you want to live your life and think about yeah. what sacrifices you make to get there. I think that the most important part of this conversation today is removing the stigma around these topics, yeah. removing the stigma around having cash flow discussions, removing the stigma that when you go to a financial planner or you go to your lawyer or you go to someone to formalize the discussion, a lot of people are embarrassed at their current financial yeah. position. So I, I think we have to give a, whatever you're starting with, even if you're starting with an enormous amount of debt, because you've always avoided looking at credit card statements and you've, you've managed your life with an avoidance tactic, I think don't blame yourself as soon as you're ready to show up in this space and you put energy into it, then the money will come back to you when you actually start to take responsibility to go, whatever the figure is, if it's a dollar, $10 or a million dollars, that's irrelevant. It's your connection with being comfortable with the discussion that will open the floodgates for opportunity. Absolutely. And we're very strong in the book about saying, don't look back, don't be embarrassed. You are where you are for whatever reasons, but you can't do anything about that. So, you know, be kind to yourself, let it go and focus on what you can change. Yeah. You know, and if you are, as you said, in a lot of debt, figure out how you're going to knock it off. You know, yeah. that's, yeah. you can only move forward. So the best thing is to start now, not to not think about it or not start or feel awkward and put it off for another few years. It's best to start doing something now. And I think this is great. So what I've kind of got is three segues off this chat. First of all is that removing the blame, shame, fear and guilt around finances. And this is not gender specific. I think in a lot of ways, men actually hide um, mistakes that they've made, or maybe they've gone through divorces or whatever else. There's a this is so not gender specific and the literacy around financial acuity and pride and accuracy, we really need to break down all the walls of how it should be. And then when you get rid of those shouldativs, we could look at what could be possible. And I think that's the first step. And then the second thing, Julia, is finding the right people who are judgment-free, but can give you facts and stats, informed decisions each step of the way. I think that's the danger area, because once you become vulnerable to open up for discussion, you have to be able to find the right people to have in your dream team around what's next. And especially if you're in a relationship and money's an awkward topic and you've got different financial habits, one of you's a spender, one of you's a saver or, or whatever it might be, it's good to have a third person involved in the discussion mm. to kind of just bring it down to, okay, well, you know, this is where we are. How are we going to get there together? You know, that, that's important because it should never be the blame game. It should be just people are in different positions for all sorts of different reasons. And you, you have to understand that. And you can't really compare yourself with your neighbours or your colleagues because you don't know what they're 
you know, you've got to look after yourself and just, you know, put good lessons in place and don't spend more than you earn and, you know, look to the future, put aside something, pay yourself first, all those little tips that you have, but don't look at blame and don't look backwards. In Australia and New Zealand, I think in the States, people are more apt at failing and getting up again. Like it's it's a culture yeah. where if you've lost your business three times or you've gone bankrupt or you're starting up again, there's a lot of more support around that. But I think here there's been a culture of don't you don't want to let anyone know that that hasn't yeah. worked out. But we have to be really realistic in times of COVID and what's going through with our commercial landscape at the moment that people have been hit hard. So we yeah. need to create a culture where it's okay to say, I'm really, I, I don't, like, for example, barbers or hairdressers or whatever, they can't be agile and suddenly take their business online. And we, we, mm. we've got to be a lot more compassionate around the, the discussion of cash flow. So once you've had these discussions, the first thing is to listen to podcasts, get a book, uh, shift the fear to curiosity, I'd say is the very first step. And then just start don't listen to what everybody else is doing, but get informed about what feels right to you. And the only way to do that is to gather the facts and stats, correct? Yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. Start with your podcasts and your books and, and so on, and then see professionals where you need to. But be discerning with your professionals, you know, make sure you do have a connection, you know, because they're long-term relationships that you want to foster and you want to make sure that they're there for you in the future. And, you know, a good professional shouldn't be blaming you if you don't do what you were supposed to do this year. You know, they should be helping you progress to next year. And that's the other thing, too, I want to point out, Julia, we spoke about this briefly when we were talking for the hot seat, is that you can't just take someone's advice. Like as a coach, I've got a filter in place now. I say this is a teamwork. It's a reciprocal relationship where we, we go based on what is best for the client. And then the client does this bit and then you do that. So taking information and then saying, I didn't know what was going on, reading the fine print, getting informed means getting a bit of backstory so you can ask your financial advisors the right questions. And if you have to meet three or four people before you're comfortable with the right person, then interview those people and and see what they do with your portfolios and get informed, whether it's, you know, crypto and shares and bricks and mortar. And if you don't know what any of those words mean, and you're our age, I think we should have a little bit more accountability instead of pointing the finger and say, well, I got the wrong advice from my lawyer. Um, we have to be more astute now and say, do we know what questions we're asking? And how do we know if we're getting good advice? That's right. And you know, with things like crypto, if you don't understand it, that's fine. Don't invest in it. You know, And there's lots of investments that are quite complex. And if you don't understand it, don't go there. Just do something that you do understand and maybe you won't make as much money as someone else, probably won't lose as much either. But I think you have to feel comfortable with where you're putting your money. Yeah. And you mentioned before you've got, you know, we're saying neither of us have children. So we're like, so when you start thinking about wills and legacy and future planning, you do get a pang of what if. And I think there's, we've got to allow ourselves to have valid feelings. So finance is also very feeling. It's very emotive topic. How do you define wealth is one of the things that I sit down with, even my clients that are the most successful and saying, what does that really mean to you, net wealth? Like what, what is that freedom that it affords you? What is that? Because unless you know your number, you're really going to get what you're given. So as a, um, a person going through your own journey, how have, you, how have you been mentored or what are some pieces of advice that you've just thought, God, oh, that's just such a great piece of advice that you'd love to share? 
I think the pay yourself first is, you know, number one, make sure that you're putting something away for your future before you look at anything today. So, you know, have it taken out of your pay before it gets to you, put it in a separate account so you don't see it. It's not all about superannuation. So that's not the only way to build wealth. And you can't touch that till you reach a certain age anyway. So you need something else to be building wealth. But I think I feel that, you know, when you're working really hard and you're earning good money, it shouldn't be just for today anyway, because then it's not building on your future. It's not building on your future wealth or your legacy for your kids or for whoever your legacy is going to. And I think that's really important because you want to make your job feel that um, you're getting the value out of it that you're putting into it. And it's not just for today. There's something future forward for it for me. And I think that's a beautiful comment. We've become a very transactional society, like for like, you know, swiping. So because we've suddenly become so disconnected from hard cash, you know, in the old days you'd have your wallet and you'd know, but it's it's so disconnected now. A lot of people aren't even checking their bank balances. I remember one thing I was reading about Warren Buffett is every day he checks his, his so to me, money has energy. And if you uh, have, uh, an appreciation and an abundance. I said to my clients, if you're cringing when you have to pay an invoice for someone who supplied you something or given you something in return for that money, then someone else is going to cringe when you invoice them. We have to have a better attitude about cash. We have to have a more abundant, responsible, open-minded approach to know that there is flow and the lack mentality is very dangerous. Yeah. And I, you know, when my mom might say to me, you know, such and such is very expensive, you know, they're charging me this. And I say, but would you perform that for that much money? Do you think you could live on that? And it's about having an understanding of, you know, what other people need as well. It's not just about, you know, our jobs and what we're earning, but any of our suppliers or anyone that, you know, a hairdresser or whoever, are they making decent enough? It should be exactly right. It's a flow and an energy and everybody should be benefiting from it. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So I think as well, one of the things at the moment for us, Julia, is that we just loop back to this whole thing about wills and testimonies. And I think people listening might be really interested if they are inspired off this conversation and we have kind of maybe just got in there a little bit and gone, hmm, maybe I should like meerkat this a bit. What's the next step? Is it take a pen and paper out and and brainstorm for yourself a little bit about what that means to you and what that could look like? So a very good lawyer once said to me, what you do is you get a piece of paper and you write down, if I wasn't here anymore, where would I like my money to go? And, you know, look at your family or your friends or whatever. And he said, and then, you know, have a glass of wine, turn that page over and then think about, well, if those people weren't there anymore, then where would I want the money to go? And then he said, you know, do it again, turn it over again, you know, have another glass of wine. And then, you know, you write down and if it didn't go to them, where would you want it to go? And you sort of get the idea that after you've had a couple of wines and you've turned it over a bit, you're getting really distant. And so instead of getting really caught up on the details, you're not there. So, you know, be realistic about it. If, you know, so-and-so's, you know, stepson of whatever gets the money that you, and you don't like him, whatever, do you really care at that point? Like just get on with it and do the best you can on the first couple of pages, try and get it right. But also see a lawyer because they come up with so many different um, ideas of what could happen and, you know, whether or not what you want to do is possible. So I think once you've got a 
general idea of what you want to do, you have to see a professional to get it right because, you know, there's so many loopholes today and challenges and so on. And it gets very complex if you have children and then subsequent relationships, where does the money go there? Are you going to support your children? Is it going to go to your next relationship? And, you know, I've seen so many terrible stories of the children of the first relationship getting nothing, you know, that their parents worked for because, you know, their parents died and the person left with the money wasn't, you know, a a blood relative and they, you know, didn't give them anything. And those stories are heartbreaking. And I think, you know, as a responsibility, you need to question your ex-partner and so on and make sure if you split up that the children are going to be looked after in some way. And that's a really nice comment around divorce proceedings and everything else because, I mean, yes, they're not sexy topics, but they're real. And, um, you know, we have to be real and we have to be brave and know what's for the highest good. So I believe that your lawyer or anyone you're going through, first of all, Really, there shouldn't be arguments over stuff. If you are breaking apart because your chapters are done or for whatever reason, grace and humility are such valuable traits because we want to teach our children and our new generations that sometimes things don't work out, but that doesn't mean it has to be tainted. Uh, We have to lead by example. And I think also as lawyers to guide people through the path of least resistance and to look at the whole picture, which is if you do divorce, what does happen with a legacy piece? And what does those pieces are important to discuss. So I think having a facts and stats checklist, you know, the brave list, replacing fear with curiosity is crucial. And then, you know, places like Money Magazine or even your book, The Joy of Money, I think it is, it's changing our attitude towards cash, changing our our fear and embarrassment. No, and and go, no, it doesn't matter where I am in my life right now. What matters is I'm taking responsibility to think about what's next. And, you know, a lot of things can be changed. So if you write your will today and something happens and it's no longer the way you want it, change it. But put something in place today that, you know, and think about reviewing it every couple of years to see if it's still going to the same places and the same people are still looking after it. You know, make sure your executors are still around and they're still your friends and they're still going to do the right thing by you. That I just love that. That is the, like, I always talk about that in my book, Radical Self-Belief, is the refine and review checkpoint because a, a plan is a roadmap. It's not a prescription. The reason people don't follow through with plans is because they feel so finite, Julia. Like talking about cash feels so finite to people. They forget that it's agility. We have to have agility around our planning. And and also understanding the, the costs of redoing the will or whatever. It's just ask questions. If that's the very place that you come from after this podcast is just go out there and get curious, curious George about this topic and start to build a better relationship with cash flow, a better relationship with yourself and talk to your friends that are brave enough to talk about, for example, yourself, what your will and testimony and what legacy means and you know, giving back to the theater and, and going down that glorious discussion of, what that could look like and empowering other people to come through and have something because that's the footprint that you've left. Um, That's really fantastic. So Julia, where can people find you if they wanted to get more delicious pieces of financial information and and get pointed in the right direction? So we're still old school. So there's magazines that you can get at the newsagents or supermarkets or online. Uh, moneymag.com.au is basically where our magazine sits and you can also order it online and we have different stories we have two newsletters that come out each week and you can sign up and they're free fantastic 
Well, it's always a pleasure to open up a conversation around topics that we might necessarily not have on an everyday basis, but are crucial to flow and sustainable success. And as I always say, you have to be the master of your destiny and health, wealth and wisdom go hand in hand. And I really believe that if we can put more people into individual accountability and strong pieces of the puzzle, you get great, a dream team around you, a pit crew as adults that are your, your legal, your financial, and look at those people and see how are they managing their lives? You know, they should be a reflection of the stuff that they're teaching you. I think that's really important. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're watching the video, all the links below, I'll write some top points and takeaways that you can grab and digest as you see fit. And I truly believe that there is power in curiosity over fear. So if this is a topic that you've always gone, oh, I don't want to go near it, I suggest you dive straight into it and actually create a a divine plan for what great looks like for you, what legacy actually means to you, and start having some open-minded conversations. And if anyone pushes back to you, remember that's a reflection on them, not you. So I think sometimes we have to choose who we talk to. And if you get pushed back or railroaded, then those people probably aren't the right people for you to explore this discussion with, I would say as well. Don't you think, Julia? Absolutely. You've got to have the right people around you at all times. That's absolutely vital. Yeah. And the right people. And not just ones that agree with you, ones yeah. that will, you know, push you and, and make you do better. That's right. Because you want a decision-making framework. You don't want a prescription. You want the ability to look at all options and to feel strong in yourself. And it's a very, very empowering place to come from and take it from me. We can always look back and think I should have done that. I should have done this, but it's never too late to start. However old you are, when you're listening to this podcast, whenever you stumble across it, you're here for a reason to step up and go, what could my great look like? Whatever that is to you. So hopefully Julia and I have inspired you today to start thinking about defining what wealth is, your legacy, and how you can leave a magical footprint now and in the future. Go and check out moneymag.com.au. Julia Newbold, managing editor of an interesting magazine, which is always agile in its advice. And I think that's why I really love it. I'm Nikki Fogden-Moore, the host of Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast. Get my latest book, Radical Self-Belief on Booktopia. It's also on the website, Nikki Fogden-Moore. You're all leaders in life. And I have to say, this is what shits me the most is when people go, I'm not a leader. I can't read that. I can't do that. Whether you're a parent, a friend, a high school student, a uni student, we all lead. We have to lead our own lives. So if there's one piece of information that you take away from today, stop looking outside for other people to create the life that you want and grab the steering wheel by both hands. Um, Stay healthy, wealthy, wise. All your tips and tools here are free. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, subscribe. We'd love your comments. And until next time, you stay radical and have a fantastic day. Well, thank you so much for joining, listening and engaging in Radical Self-Belief, the Mojo Maker podcast. Drop me a like, share and subscribe to Nikki Fogden-Moore on YouTube as well as across all the podcast channels and my website, NikkiFogdenMoore.com for Monday Mojo exclusive emails from me each week. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off any of my books when you shop online at NikkiFogdenMoore.com. Until next time, you stay healthy, wealthy, and wise. And remember, you are in the driver's seat of life.